1: mental matters ain't a simple pattern, we need to have a central chatter, food for thought, grab a platter, my mental ain't for rental, I'm a central man simple, I'm a ripple in the rip though, I don't wanna sick my ship so, gotta know your mental, black life is hard I don't resent though, feelings really real we should
0: present those, talk about it you should know your mental matters, your mental matters, mental matters, yeah. (laughs) Hello and what up though, everybody? Um, We are here for episode 59 of the Mental Matters Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Richard, here with Jarrell. And we have a very special guest and family friend of mine joining us because, um, in the words of Luther Vandross, we need religion. (laughs) And that is a song, y'all gotta go do your homework, not me. That is a legit Luther Vandross song, You Must Go Find the Album It Came From. I actually love that song. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, first, before we get really into it, Jarrell, how you been? Happy New Year to you. What's Happy New Year. I've been you? doing all right. Uh, Well, I got a birthday coming up. Yes, you uh, do. Just looking forward to that. January the 24th, I'll be uh, in the 30 Club, so. Oh <laughs> man, new, new beginnings. <laughs> I thought you said you was skipping. Uh, you was going back to twenty nine one more year because of COVID. What happened with that? Yeah, you're right. So I'll be twenty <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> nine two
1: Twenty nine two No, but right. I've been. I'm
0: good. Just been working on my extracurricular business and real estate doing a bunch of shadowing for that so I'm just excited about all the new stuff that's happening for this year me and my wife made our uh, vision boards this past Saturday so we got all of our goals down and we got our alignment together for the rest of the year so just got to excellent well hey we gonna, we gonna claim those things happen in 2021 and bet yep and when you st- get your first commission again I would like A grand massive collection of (laughs) jerk chicken that is all (laughs) no problem y'all heard it it's recorded y'all heard it i am getting jerk chicken when jerelle gets first commission and i don't want your three piece (laughs) i want a family pack dang it i think the last time i gave you probably what about six Listen, that's really three because I got split it in half. So <laughs> come on, man. True, true, true. You hold me back. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna do better. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. uh the 2021 is here. I hope you have kicked off your year with some positivity, um, with not resolutions but intentions, as we mentioned in the last episode and hope that those are off to a good start. I hope that you have people around you that's gonna hold you accountable to actually accomplish those intentions in the new year. So um, I can't wait to hear from some of our our community to see what some of those goals look like. Um, At least for me, I'm just happy to kind of just be in a a sound peace of mind. Um, This time last year, I don't really know where I was at. And I think back and that was only 366 days ago it's a leap year but um you know we're just gonna take it a day at a time just try to be the best version of ourselves and uh working out's been going good so i feel lighter and just carrying less things with me um you know it's i went to one of the things i've been practicing is actually going to church more virtually because it's easy to get to church when you're quarantining and staying in the house. <laughs> and so I found it to be extremely beneficial to, um, not that I haven't over the last quarter of 2020, but um, just happening in with my pastor, seeing what's, you know, the good word is every Sunday when I can. And um, this last one was talking about uh, moving away from, you know, it, it was, you was talking more so about the Leah story and how her tragic um, last airplane flight went and it was he made a relation to if you truly intend on moving forward, how can you do that when you're holding on to so much baggage, whether that be trauma you went through as young, you were younger, and um, you know even from last year, even from like childhood years, um, and so that really resonated with me as we kicked out the new year. Like you know what, we always talk about what we leave leaving behind, and, and as we go into a new year, but is really a thing in 2021 because we are leaving behind not having a president for four years and all these other great things. And, um, you know, Inauguration Day is coming and impeachment is here. So, with that being said, uh, may may God add a blessing to the word of what we just talked about. And as we get into it, I figured it was definitely overdue to um, get some religion, if you will. One of my good family friends and even premarital counselor helped me really get on track in terms of getting ready for marriage. Um, The great Bishop Darrell Harris is here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Give him a round of applause. Woo, woo, woo. (laughs) What's going on with you?
1: Adjective of (laughs) great, but. Listen,
0: you're great at something.
1: (laughs) That's right, I would
0: imagine that to be true. Everybody's great at something. That's it. So for those that may not be familiar with I think I know you on a very, very close note, just being around you and your family for at least the last, what, and eh, 20, 2008, and that. yeah. Nice. nice amount of years. Nice little decade or plus. So <laughs> for the people that don't know you, tell us about who you are, where you're from, and what you do.
1: All right. Well, first, I'm glad to be here. Uh, bishop Daryl Harris. No, Bishop is not my first name. Uh, I say that because some people have asked me that. Um, Daryl is my first name. It's the one that my mom gave to me. I like that one the most. Um, so I have been um, married now. This is our well. last year was our 27th year of uh, marriage. Um, blessedly, I've only been married once. And I I don't have outside families and all that kind of stuff. I believe in um, stay with what the Lord gave you, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amen, (laughs) that part. Um, We have um, two biological children and we've raised uh, three um, adopted children, if you will, or just children we took care of. Uh, My two original children are twins Boy and girl, Mari Mani, they just had their, their 21st birthday. Oh my God.
0: That, so I was going to ask about that because, you know, typically people associate with turning 21 is like the bust out. Like, I'm about to drink all these things. And like, what, what was that but, like for you? So, I mean, we, we're just going to jump right in, right? Um, <laughs> why not? <laughs>
1: um, I told uh, my wife, I said, I just discovered that there is something much harder than raising children, because I used to think that that was just the hardest job in the world. And she was like, no, nothing can be harder than raising children. I said, yes, raising adults that are your children, (laughs) a lot harder, right? Um, because they're at this stage where you know, they're still somewhat looking for guidance and kind of testing things out. But they're also at this stage of independence, where it's like, you know. So someone asked me, so well, you know, what did they do for their 21st birthday? And I said, I have no idea. And that's best for me,
0: right? <laughs> While we're <laughs> <that> talking about
1: <part>. ability <laughs> and mental, you know, acuity and all that. That's great. That's best for my mentality, right? I need to be at peace. Um, The only hard thing about it, or I should say the thing that's been the most challenging is that, you know, COVID hit last year. It was easier when we were empty nesting. I mean, it was wonderful, right? I mean, you know, we were eating salmon, ham chops every night, you know, (laughs) right? I was only taking out the garbage once every two weeks. You know, I mean, it was wonderful, right? (laughs) And then all of a sudden COVID hit and the kids got to come back home, right? So Mm -hmm. now not only do i have to share more but uh, even with that i have to see their adulthood happening i have to watch it in real time you know i have to watch boyfriend stuff i have to watch girlfriend stuff and you know of course there you know my son's waiting he's like i'm so when i'm 21 he's like been prepping me since 2020 like when i'm 21 now you know i'm probably going to go to that party I. I son you were away at college for a whole year and i never asked you where you were never called you one now you don't have to report to me where you're going you're right you're 21 go matter of fact can you take some of your stuff with you to the (laughs) park you
0: know
1: (laughs) you got don't have to report to me at all right so you know i to be honest with you i outside of pictures that they put on Facebook or whatever, if they did it at all. I have no idea uh, what what happened. And I guess what happens uh, at 21 stays at 21 because uh, I haven't heard anything about it. So, But it's challenging because, of course, you worry about your kids. You always just want to make sure that whatever decisions that they're making, even if you can't uh, manage them or you can't control them, you hope that you've had enough influence. On how they think, and enough influence on uh, the person that they become, that they won't make those kinds of decisions that will put them beyond the marker where they can't ever undo it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and so, you know, they they came home the next day. Uh, the car was fine. Um, everybody still had all of their body parts, and <laughs> everything still worked. So. <laughs> <laughs> That we did well. <laughs> well, it is but, good to know
0: that you survived your twenty-first birthday. So
1: powerful, she was like, "You should go ahead and celebrate twenty-one because you know that's the last special age that you'll ever have." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, that was cruel, but it was it was real. That was good. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, nobody's like, oh, I can't, you know, oh, I no. can't wait." 42, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I can't wait to be 50. Like people don't say that. You get you get 12, <laughs> you get eight, 16, mm-hmm. you get eighteen, and then you get twenty-one. After that, yeah. it's all down here from there, buddy. So
0: Gerell. Yeah. 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 30
1: go. year i come <laughs> yeah by the way you start saying it differently you know when you were 20 headed towards 21 you're like yeah i'm gonna be 21 in a few days a few weeks a countdown was going but you see how he just said that yeah i'll be 30 in a few see that's how it starts sounding <laughs> and i love to be promising to you here but i'm just telling you you know that's mm-hmm. you know <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> from that so. point um but been a pastor um actually i've been a pastor longer than i've been married i've been a pastor since i've been 15. um this is my 50th year of life um i'll be 50 in may um nice. so you know richard talks about not being good at math i'm way worse I, I really am not i'm not an engineer neither am i a mathematician so oh my god <laughs> i'm all the <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but you know, um, it's been great uh, ceasefire working with this organization, a lot of other organizations that really help people and try to bring people uh, into restoration from situations of violence and and um, shootings and things that have taken place. Just trying to do my part to help make the world a better place and help make people safer. So I think I've probably talked enough
0: about that. That's That's me. This is all about you and what you bring to the table, brother. You don't, don't you ever shortchange yourself? <laughs> and so, you've also done—you also do counseling, right? Yes,
1: yes. That's that's uh the I don't know which one is the hobby and which one is the real job. Uh, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I should say I hustle. Which one? Uh, but I yeah do counsel. Uh, marital counsel, and really what's uh, referred to as kind of systems counsel, Um, because systems work in everything, right? Family is a system. Uh, The human body is a system. Uh, And so, you know, the branch of counseling and psychology that um, I specialized in was kind of a systems approach, just So, yes, we uh, do counsel um, and been doing that actually since uh, I was I was 21, I believe, when I first started, um, and going to school and doing that kind of thing. But school really doesn't prepare you for the counseling part. It kind of gives you the the psychology stuff, but it, you know the counseling part is you got to get in there, you got to take everything that you read in the book, and you got to try to make it apply. Only to find out through a deep sense of uh depression that it doesn't work <laughs> right mm. really gotta get in there and the book stuff may not work uh, so we've been counseling uh for a while and fortunately been very blessed to have uh, played a role and played a part in a lot of different areas as it relates to uh that kind of systems council
0: cool. yes so with that, I know that um, this is a very controversial topic that comes up. So you kind of work on balance between both worlds, between, well, I guess I more so ask, so you do you deal with more of the balance between um, faith-based, you know, inspiration and, you know, men, like, you know, ministry, as well as from, like, uh, counseling, almost even a mental health um type of deal because you mentioned depression in there as well yeah and
1: and you know it's really weird right because that is a battle that was created you know honestly not so long ago right because when you start thinking about the true essence of counsel all of it started on the end of a religious basis right um when you talk about Freudian work, you know most of Freud's work is really a secular translation, if you will, along with some kind, sometimes a, a drug addicted uh, inclusion. Uh, but you know the basis of what he talks about is really this sense of taking what he had learned uh, from Catholicism and theology and trying to base it in a very humanistic type way, right? So when he talks about id and ego and and, and superego, you know, we're talking about flesh and and soul and spirit, right? Um and so depending on you know what side of the coin you're on, if there's a coin at all, I guess I would be the one that would sit in the center because to me there is no difference. Um, you know, all of counsel comes from this area of wanting to heal the parts of man, parts of women, that are not physical. You know, and if you go with any kind of um, makeup of, of the human experience or the human life experience, you know, even different religions kind of agree on this, that, you know, the body obviously is not just flesh, something's happening on the inside that causes this to kind of operate as the machine that it is, right? And so whether you call it the soul, the spirit, or you know, the nuance or the energy or whatever you want to call it, something's going on. And it's that part of us that really uh takes more so to this idea of counsel, that that word even, it comes from it comes from theology. It comes from the practice of of ministers to people, you ministered psychology to people. And that's why most of the areas that you hear about, you know, counseling coming into play, you know, most of those areas have something to do with a connection to church, right? Marriage counsel, right? When you hear marriage counsel, you mm-hmm. think, okay, if you're going to counsel the marriage, who would have been the first person to do it? It would have been the person who was responsible for marrying people. Right. If if marriages were purely therapeutic in that secular sense, then it wouldn't be, you know, the, the, the marriage wedding vows. It would be the wedding contract. Right. It would be the wedding affirmations. Right. I mean, and these are all just different words to explain what mm-hmm. this ministry that we're offering to an area that is largely thought of to be spiritual. And that's the reason why I don't look at myself as a religious counselor. I look at myself as a spiritual counselor because everyone doesn't have religion, but everybody has a spirit, right? Mm. Everybody has a soul. Everybody has that energy on the inside of them. Everyone has that. And so I don't so much get into, you know, uh, if I'm talking about, concepts like salvation okay well yeah then i'm talking about religion i'm talking about you know something that is more theological than concept of understanding but the bible itself and could largely be said to be the first book if not the largest that deals with depression that deals with anxiety you know there are scriptures that deal with the idea of Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a religious term. Forgiveness is a spiritual concept. It's a construct that whether you're religious or go to church or not, forgiveness needs to be a part of your makeup in order for you to be able to uh, be empowered yourself and to be able to go on and be sustained in life. Right? Concepts like mercy, grace, uh, forgiveness, love, right? Oh my goodness, just love by itself. If you if you don't have some source to identify what love is, then you're going to be picking up definitions of love from your own broken experiences of it. Uh, other people are going to be giving it to you from their broken experiences of it. Someone's got to come and say, okay, this is the definition and you can move all around it if you want. But at the end of the day, This is what it is, and it means it for everybody, right? That's where the Bible comes in, or even other uh, scripture-based books, if you will. So it's important to me. I I, I don't like to go by religious counselor, because I think that there are religions that don't talk about things like depression, that don't talk about things like uh, anxiety. You know, they don't talk about, and I wonder how they you know, have a center in the scriptures and not deal with those things when the scriptures itself deals with those things. It talks about Christ, you know, when he's facing the crucifixion, that he goes into the garden to pray. He's so concerned about this. Even though he is the son of God, he's so concerned about this because the one thing he had never done before was died, right? So he was so concerned about this. He goes into the garden and He's trying to get his friends to stay up with him and just to kind of help him face this, but they keep falling asleep <laughs> and he's frustrated and he's <laughs> depressed, he's sad and he's anxious and he's praying so hard that blood is mingling with his sweat and dropping down his brow. Well, hmm. if that is not an anxiety attack, if that is not, what is it? You know. Uh-huh. And then what does he finally do you know, in order to move himself into a phase where he was all right. He accepted, right? Right. He did restorative practice on himself and he accepted it. He said, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. It's kind of too late to stop it. The boat is in motion. You know what? Whatever the will is, let's have it. That's called contentment, you know, that's it brought in and ushered a peace. So it, you begin to see these stories in the Bible, and just depending, you look at them. If you look at them religiously, then it just looks like, oh, yeah, well, that, that was something. I mean, God did that, you know, or Jesus did yeah. that. Yeah. You know, Do it. But when you see it as spiritual, you're like, wait a minute. Jesus actually cried before, you know, <laughs> so he wept, yeah. you know. Like, what is all of this about, you know? Right. So. I just think it's more important. To me, I don't see a difference. Uh, It's one under the same umbrella to me. To me, there is no secular counseling, religious counseling. There is spiritual counseling. That's the part of the human existence that we are offering counsel and that we are offering some sort of insight to empowered persons spiritually. Uh, which to me encompasses mental, which encompasses emotional, which encompasses willful,
0: right? All that stuff is in there. So. So i like to ask you a question based on it, and I'm glad you gave that insight beforehand. Um, there are certain either religious figures or um, those that um, are in the, I don't want to say business, but you, as we know, controversially, sometimes churches be running as businesses, um, <laughs> but there are pastors and bishops and everything out there that simply believe that when it comes to mental illness, when it comes to stress, when it comes to depression, or the different things that black men especially go through, that they they're one of their key points of advice is to pray it away. Um, how do you feel about that? I feel that prayer is one
1: mechanism to deal with certain uh, mental ailments and emotional ailments as well. Um, Prayer is one thing. I've had people to say, well, all you did was pray. And I said, no, that's not all I did. And that's not what I'm instructing you to do. I'm instructing you to pray but i do need you to understand that when you get up off your knees (laughs) like you have a part in this work as well as the part that you're asking god with prayer to intervene with right if we depend on god to do the stuff that we can't do then god should be able to depend on us to do the stuff that we can do and some of the things that we pray about are things that we can do, things that we are responsible. But I've come to learn that it's a lot easier to uh, it's a lot easier to deal with myself if I get to blame everything that happens to me, and every point of anxiety, and every um, everything that doesn't go the way that I want. If I get to blame all of that stuff on the devil, right? If I get to blame it on demons and all of that kind of thing, then number one, it causes me to be not not responsible, right? I'm not responsible for it. I mean, the devil did it, right? And number two, it means the only person that can fix this has to be God, right? Because the only person that can really, you know, do anything with the devil has got to be God, right? So that pray about it and that's all you need to do you know it makes too many assumptions it makes the assumption that mental illness is is a matter of satan and and not a matter of physical and human makeup you know it assumes that therefore god is responsible and is the only one that can reverse you know the The pain of this right uh and then it means that i really don't have to do anything but contribute this part and unfortunately you know you're so correct about it uh gets promoted by a lot of pastors it gets promoted uh by a lot of uh uh uh, religious counselors if you will which oftentimes happens to be pastors even though they're not trained in it you know pastoring is one of those things that like, you know, pastors feel like they have to do everything, right? So, you know, if I'm the pastor, I gotta, if I've been married for two years or if I'm not married at all, I gotta do all the marriage counsel, right? I've gotta make sure that I'm, you know, I'm in on this here, I'm in on that. I wish so much that more pastors would literally go through some kind of training uh, for counsel because it, it does make a difference. But just to your point, um, I know pastors that have been like that. And of course, people eat it up because it gets them the opportunity to pass the buck, right? This wasn't my fault. You know, you can't blame me for them making me mad and then I slap them. After all, they made me mad, right? I mean, that's that's them. And I'm tired of getting mad, you know, them and this and that and other well, another pastor might say, well, yeah, that's that old devil, you know? And so you need to just pray and get there. And I'm like, no, what you need to do is realize how often are you getting that upset? What is causing you to lose perspective of yourself and who you are? You mean to tell me that you lack the kind of control? Okay, we need to look into some other things going on in your life. And sometimes it's emotional stuff, you know, baggage. Sometimes it's mental stuff. You talked about that, you know, your pastor speaking about the airplane and the baggage bringing in. Sometimes that mental illness is not necessarily medical, right? Sometimes it really is in the space of that counselor. Sometimes people just need to talk about stuff, need to confess stuff, you know, which again, it's another concept that's in the Bible, right? <laughs> yeah. People have taken it and gone overboard with it. Now, I'm not talking about putting up confessional boots or whatever, and you know, Hail Mary and all that. <laughs> but I the Bible does talk about being able to confess, you know, these, these things that you experience that may not be in your best interest or may not have been beneficial. Being able to have somebody in your life that you can express that to, you know, that won't condemn you. Even if there's a judgment that comes with it, it's not a judgment of condemnation, but they're there to walk through that with you. That brings about, you know, mental health and all. So there are a lot of things that need to also happen with prayer. It's not just prayer. There are things that need to happen with prayer. And uh, you know, I love to give that message to everybody, and I, I try to give it to as many people as I can, but. Again, if a person's, if a pastor's or a spiritual leader's um, forte or understanding of people and ministry is more uh, Satan-driven, more sin-driven, if it's if it's along those lines, they're the ones that have a harder time understanding that you know a person can have a mental illness. Or it can be going through a mental challenge or an even an emotional illness or an emotional challenge, which we don't talk about that a lot. But you know, a person can be going through that and not be and, and it's not a result of them sinning and sin isn't coming out of it. Like that's not a part of it at all. This is something that is happening you know, mentally to you, emotionally to you, and you just have never been taught how to handle it or how to overcome it or what to do about it. And so I try to, you know, preach messages of all types. You know, those, of course, we don't skate around. I mean, if something is wrong and it's clearly wrong, obviously we have to talk about it, right? We have to talk about, you know, what happened at the Capitol last week. You don't have to talk about it right now, but I mean, you because you're probably tired of talking about it right now.
0: But. I really haven't discussed it much um i try to step away from those initial moments of reaction when things happen to take a chance to like you know the you know kind of step away decompress things of that nature truly process what's going on because i don't want to speak out of first impulse and ignorance right i've been doing a lot more of that lately um (laughs) This is a work in progress. This- no, but, um, but yeah. So that's the biggest thing is like even when it came to the capital piece, we can talk for a quick second about it. It's just that it's not that as a culture, at least from my standpoint, that we are. Um, we it's not that we're not angry that it happened because truth be told, this is affecting the votes and everything that a majority of the African-American community put in. But I think that I'm more so grateful on the other side of it, that people that don't look like us can finally see why Blue Lives Matter is really stupid. And you need to actually embrace the true, like, definition of what it means to be, like, an all-in American, like, you know, It's not just like all about the, you know, the black versus the white things of that nature, but a good heavy part of it is if you truly want justice and equality for all, then keep the same exact energy of when black people will peacefully protest outside of the Capitol, wherever it is, that's the same type of thing where you have MAGA supporters and Trump supporters out storming the Capitol. Because, and I quote, if they would have been black,
1: Yes. And you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, my talking with people about it, which again, you know, just keeping with that counseling forte, you know, you you can't address everything from the pulpit. You know, you can't address everything in a sermon. You can't address everything. You can bring things to light. And, and you can give kind of, you know, the take of the scripture or whatever. But when it comes down to also ha- having a conversation about it, which takes hearing and listening and speaking from both sides, right? That's the thing that counsel comes into. You know, I did more counseling last week, not sitting behind a desk or just, you know, I'm walking in to go and 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 get something out of the store, and I'm in the store for 20 minutes because some guy recognize you know hey that's the pastor from up the street hey man what you think about last week man i'm so you know i oh, gotta
0: <laughs>
1: all right let me let me give this guy an opportunity because obviously he needs a, he needs a check-in you know he's right. got to get somebody who will just listen to him and not argue with them and not try to show no it wasn't that it was this and all of that just brother how you feeling about it you know, man i'm upset man you know what I'm that's it okay mm-hmm. all, now that we know we got <laughs> You upset about it, you know? What would you have liked to see happen, man? Well, if it had gone like this and like this and that other, all right, man. So, you know, hey, how can we affect that? What can you do better? Well, you know, man, I think that, you know, I and he starts deescalating, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. My, and I'm like, you all right? Yeah, man, I feel better. You know what I'm saying? Thanks, man. Kick, all right, cool. You
0: know,
1: <laughs> you know, that'd be 250 you know? No, just <laughs> listen.
0: Because <laughs> you can't give everybody this for free.
1: You know, no, but no, you know, I mean it's 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 really that balance, you know, and again from that Freudian time of, of 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 wanting to separate it off and make it more distinct, what it did was it became you know somewhat popular under his name and under his work for it to be in this secular realm. And so then churches began to follow that more professional sense, if you will, and forgot that, you know what, this is what your pastor was doing when y'all was having Sunday dinner. I mean, <laughs> what did you think that was? He, You know, he's sitting at Sunday dinner, wanting to watch the football game with your husband, but he ends up talking to you about, you know, hey, Joe is getting on my nerve. And, you know, all he do is sit in front of that TV and watching. Oh well, Joe. You know what you say. Pass out when here today. Football game, something. You no, know, I mean that's <laughs> that. It's 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 that right there. Counseling is not a practice to me. Counseling is a walk of life. It's a it's a it's an experience, and and I think that that's important to make sure it stays there. Which is why you would never hear me say, you know, all you have to do is pray about it, or all you have to do is any one thing. It's an experience, you know um when you take some of the most famous prayers in the Bible, that was that was <laughs> that was some spiritual stuff happening you know when you get into the books of Psalm the Psalms right David is writing these Psalms and he's talking in his prayer he's talking to God about, how you know he feels that he let him down and his life means nothing and god i you know i don't know what to do with this heartache i've had these children and the children are horrible and and i and and, and okay they're horrible because you know i got caught up in an adultery situation but still you know (laughs) okay help. you know i mean that's that's yes and he gets it out there and then you know you go a few books you know you go a few chapters down and whatnot and then David's back. He's like, you know, God has heard me. You know, it's, it's been a refuge. My mind is together now. I'm good. <laughs> I'm ruling the kingdom. Where are we going today? You know, what are we conquering? You know, and it's like, what did he do? He just talked. <laughs> he just opened up and he talked. You know, they came to him one day and said, hey, remember... The adultery situation you got into, yeah. Well, she's pregnant. Oh wow. Well, baby's born. That's good. Yeah. But the baby's sick. Looks like he's gonna die. Oh my god. He goes in. He starts praying and he starts whining to God and everything. You know, even though he was told that this was gonna happen, but you know, he's going through. He's crying. Ashes on his head. You know, he's not eating. You know. Finally, the baby passes. David, they're scared to go and tell him because they're like, if he acting like that while the baby's sick, and we're going to tell him the baby's dead, we probably all going to be dead. So finally, somebody worked up the courage. It's probably the least servant there. He was like, you get up there. You go tell him, right? And he goes, he tells King David that baby is dead. David says, oh, okay. Gets up, washes his face, washes the ashes out of his hair, changes his clothes, Puts on some cologne, puts his shoes on, and goes out and calls for the servants to cook some dinner. And when they come back and look, he's sitting at the dinner table laughing and smiling. And they're like, wait a minute. (laughs) So they go and they ask him, well, David, why, when the baby was sick, you were going through all kinds of anxiety, you know, praying and hollering and screaming. And then we came and told you the worst news, that the baby didn't get better, the baby actually died. Doesn't that mean your prayers didn't work? And shouldn't you be upset even in the morning? He was like, Look, <laughs> there is nothing I can do about that. Now, when the baby was alive and just sick, there was there was a chance, right? There's a hope. If I made an appeal, maybe God changed his mind, or maybe something else will happen. Once the baby passes, the baby died, well, he can't come back to me and I can't go to him until it's that time. So I might as well eat because I'm still here. See, all of that is <laughs> the rationalization of contentment. That is a psychological construct <laughs> that David went through right there. Now, I know if you've ever heard that story preached before, you didn't hear it like that. It sounded more like this. And David, ah, he got over it ah, and he just went on ah, mm-hmm. and the book moved, right? <laughs> That's how you heard it. You heard it as a sermon. <laughs> you never heard it as a mm-hmm. psychological counseletic lesson. Which is actually what it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I really try
0: <laughs> to
1: make sure that I'm I'm doing that kind of thing, you know, to make sure that counseling is going more towards the spirit of a person and making sure that people understand there is nothing in life that can just be fixed by one move. <laughs> there is you you can't think of one serious problem in life that you just had to do one thing and it was a Mm -hmm. (laughs) so for anyone to say you know that all you got to do is when they start saying that all you got to do is you should know it's some this answer there's uh, gonna be a problem with this resolve <laughs> all, all I gotta do <laughs> yeah okay let me let me go ask somebody else because <laughs> you're starting off wrong you know so thats my take on it um and it's not to diminish other pastors or their anointing or their calling or anything like that I just believe that pastors and spiritual leaders need to be more trusting. To people who have a calling, if they will, or an anointing if they will, of persons who may really be experts or more expertise in certain areas they don't have to do everything
0: right you know I'm glad you actually said that because um, one of the one of the main goals of our podcast is not only to um, kind of cultivate that environment where black men can just, you know, have those conversations we will otherwise sweep under the rug. But it's all about, to an extent, ending toxic masculinity. And I think that you um, really kind of shed a light on one of the reasons toxic masculinity exists. It's usually some OG, if you will, a bonehead uncle, sometimes a pastor Come to you and say, all you got to do is, and it's just like, I know this is about to be some straight up bull. (laughs) Like, for real. It can't be that simple. No, ever. Like, even if you want to cook the most amazing thing. Um, (laughs) And Kirk Franklin said this, and I reshared this earlier on Facebook. uh, He was talking about uh, when you go and crack open an egg and eat an egg. It don't taste that good. <laughs> um, or you peel back a stick of butter. You grab a bite. It don't taste that good at all. Or if you smash some flour and just like, man, it's grainy, it's nasty, whatever. But people like cake a lot. And it's not just that one thing that's going to get you a cake. It's going to take a good combination of a lot of different things and then the processing of it, and then the cooking of it, and then the resting of it, and then the icing on top, and all those things, just for you to have a cake that probably won't even last that long in your house. Absolutely. And I think all this is supposed to happen this way. This episode is supposed to happen this way because I think if we as Black men took the same approach. When it comes to addressing our stress and you know getting the mental health help that we're supposed to get, that we'd have a lot more mentally healthier men. Not to say we're going to eliminate mental illness at all. Right. But if we can just reduce it yeah. bit by bit, yeah. I think because we can truly make a change.
1: I, at, and 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 it's so this is exciting to me. I think that a number of Mental illnesses, right? If we probably just even changed how we said that, right? If we said, you know, mental health uh, issues or mental health challenge, because when you say mental illness, first thing that a brother think is you think I'm crazy or you think something's wrong with me,
0: exactly, right? or you think that That's I need. Mean. Exactly.
1: And it's very few. Uh, it's very few mental illnesses, if you will that require that level of of intervention, right? Medical intervention and and medicine and all those types of things, procedures, right? Most of this, and and we really found this out with this whole ADD, ADHD deal, right? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. now some 25 years later or so, doctors are finally starting to admit that, you know, trying to medicate, you know, that kind of, of imbalance only made the problem worse, right? Mm -hmm. Because the truth of the matter is, maybe what they're calling ADD is just a slower processing child. Maybe what they're calling ADHD is just a more hyperactive child, (laughs) right? So, you know, we, we medicate things and because of that, the skew when you say certain things, especially to black men, who the only thing that they have left that hasn't been stripped from the black man (laughs) is his own sense of identity, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Only thing that he's been left with is Mm -hmm. he has to be strong. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, you know, he he's gotta be that. They they stripped everything else from him, right? They stripped his idea of, 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 of being a provider. That that's been taken from him, right? They they stripped his sense of pride, you know, as it relates to his culture or or his as it relates to, you know, his his homeland and where he comes. They stripped that from him. He doesn't have that anymore. The only thing that he is for sure that he is that's affirmed by everybody, every other culture, his own culture is that he's strong and when you hear you know people talk about black men they tell them you hear black mothers tell their sons you're strong like you know mm-hmm. you could be anything but you're strong you're stronger than that right And so mm-hmm. what did do you do? now I come to you and I tell you oh, you need to talk about that <laughs> you know or not. <laughs> The mental stuff going on with you no i am strong you know yeah. and then and have been socialized we only have one socialized emotion that predominates every other emotion black men are known for their anger why because anger is attached to an expression of strength <laughs> right. so if you're strong then when you're angry that shows how strong you are so those are things that get celebrated in black communities as with men you know you walk around and you talk to black men they're talking about how they use that strength right and if it's in a more positive light which can sometimes be confusing because I'm told to be angry and hit that guy on the football field as hard as I can I'm told to hit him so hard that I hate him in the uniform that he wear. And every time I see that uniform and that number, I'm supposed to hit him so hard that his guts come out of his mouth, right? <laughs> him. But then that same <laughs> tell him that when he gets into it with the guy down the street, <laughs> that he's supposed to talk to him. You know, he's not supposed to hit him. He's not mm-hmm. supposed to fight him. He's supposed to talk to him, right? but I give him a reward over here for doing it. And then I put him in jail over here when he does it. So now the only thing that I have left, you hear about these ghetto stories, right? Or or these stories, you wonder how do people associate that? So you want me to feel like you're stronger because you had a fight with 15 people. (laughs) And now you're about to do 10 years in prison. Right. But the way his family is going to immortalize that story, all they're going to tell it to all the young black other sons and all the other young black male cousins, you know, your uncle was the man. You know, one time, <laughs> oh, man, uncle was here. He wouldn't let nobody talk to him like that. So now, what does this young black male grow up thinking? That's Ooh. the strength. <laughs> That's what it means to be this black man, you know. I can't let people talk to me like that. I have to, I have to do this like him. And no wonder we are headed in that same, you know, direction, right? But then we introduce, and now we have to tell them, no, you need to. We need to fix your mind. We need to fix your heart. We need to fix that. To him, that's a sign of weakness. Women do that. Cause that's another part of socialization right we are strong they are weak
0: mm.
1: and why are they weak because they're emotional mm-hmm. so i don't i can't be weak i'm strong so i can't be emotional although how many black men you know that are emotional and i'm not talking about at funerals that slip a few tears i'm talking about the most emotion you see put a bunch of brothers in front of a tv with a basketball game going on and you will find out that in many cases men are more emotional than women
0: <laughs> <laughs> especially if you are a detroit sports fan
1: God, i mean how many televisions get broke during lion season you know what i'm saying
0: <laughs> we should make that a survey if you have ever out of just pure anger or whatever it is. (laughs) Write your television set or your cell phone or your tablet after watching the Detroit sports event. We we are
1: emotional creatures just like women are, but they have taken masculinity and attached it to strength and logic and even anger, right? Mm -hmm. And they've taken feminism and they put it around Uh, Well, I should say they've taken femalism, because feminism, they try to blend both of those. Like, I I could be just as much men as you, you know, because they think that they've identified characteristics that, you know, and they don't even realize that they're doing the same thing that they're complaining about, right? (laughs) Because they're complaining (laughs) that there are these masculine characteristics and there are these feminine characteristics, and so I don't have to live by any of those characteristics that you told me, so I could still do what you do just because i'm i'm a woman i can still have those masculine characteristics and i'm like no if you the the true rationale to your argument would be that you just a person and you can have any one of those characteristics that you want once That's you true. masculine characteristic you just did what they did <laughs> right. you know just to just to say that that is why it's such a challenge for Black men especially, to really see mental health as something that pertains to them because the model of what's celebrated, what's honored as a Black man you know, has to do more with strength and expressions of strength than it does with those characteristics that we've been taught are characteristics of weakness, right? How I many times have you ever had an uncle walk up to you or older brother walk up to you, punch you in the chest, and as you were sucking out the air, you know, and it felt like Jupiter and everything else was falling on you, that are rolling down high, and he says, "Shut up, man. What you crying for, little punk? Now you associate what crying with being a punk. Mm-hmm. Now, and it's been punished. So you you ain't do that no more. As a matter of fact." You now feel like you're helping your other cousins and your little brother and your son now, because you walk by him and punch me in the chest, and tell him shut up, you am gonna cry. We don't do that. But all that stuff, <laughs> up. and we've only been given one social construct to handle all of that through and it's strength and anger and rage. And when you put racism on top of that, that just exacerbates the issue even the more, right? So the true question becomes how do we get black men to see that it is not a sign of weakness? Actually, it is a sign of strength. You know, when you see men in the military, that's one of the things that gets debunked in that first six weeks of basic training. You are taught, leave all that other stuff behind. This person that you bunking next to, this person that you're bunking with. This is your life. <laughs> this is your life, and those men they become so bonded, sharing experiences with each other and everything that even after they leave the military force, they are still here. They still brothers. They still. And what did that? The common sharing that they experienced with each other that they probably never would have had they not been shown that you know in the military that's not a weakness. That's a strength. You not knowing your partner in the military is a weakness. You not knowing your partner in the the police department is a weakness. See, and if we could get Black men to see that, you know, it's the same way in just your general lifestyles, your same way in the way that you live in your family, with your friends, like that's the same thing. If we could get that, be understood. I think that Uh, you start seeing more men concerned about their mental health. And 2021 is going to be a year to really promote this because 2020 showed a lot of Black strong men (laughs) that they may not have been as strong mentally and emotionally as they thought they were. I saw grown men whimpering just out of the fear that they might be sick, (laughs) I had grown men coming. I'm talking about cowboy boot, 10-gallon hat, you know, hand men, mm-hmm. you know, roughneck men, you know what I'm saying? I, I saw grown men coming to me with tears in their eyes. Like, you know, uh, they sent me home from the job today. I want you to pray for me. And I was like, I tried to pray for you, you know, in 2019. You told me, get away from me. But, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I just, you know, I just need you to, because, you know, I, I I, mean, I can't be catching no Corona and all this kind of stuff. I can't be doing all that. I'm talking about tears, real tears. They ain't even mm-hmm. have it. They didn't even know if they had it yet. This was just out of the concern. Why? Because the media painted such a picture, everybody that get coronavirus is going to die. <laughs> and then they really flipped in and said, and, you know, Black people are more susceptible to die. they more susceptible to get it, you know? And I was like, who made this stuff up? Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who made this? The first cases of the coronavirus did not happen in Detroit, contrary to popular belief.
0: Right. Detroit just has oh. a lot of people in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was in a totally different county. You know what I'm saying? What did you even hear? But, you know, the governor gets on television and she's like, hey, we need to look out for Detroit. You know? And then the narrative changed. Yeah, because you know them black people, you know, <laughs> they be dying from stuff. Next thing you know, <laughs> we was putting our heads over boiled water and trying to sniff up steam. And <laughs> people was running, getting tissue, bypassing the vitamin aisle, you know, all, all kind of stuff. Like, what? And hand soap. I was like, what? <laughs> Y'all go get the hand sanitizer that they didn't marked up the price by three times, and y'all left all the soap. I said, to no, just get the soap. How about that, y'all? <laughs> go ahead. But these are all things that happen because mentally and emotionally, Black men really haven't been prepared. Black women have somewhat been more prepared, because when they're Black women are girls, you know, they teach, they get them baby dolls and, you know, teach them how to play house and teach them how to cook. This is what it's going to be like when you get married. Here's here's Black Barbie and, and Black Ken. I still don't understand why.
0: Don't even, not even, well, get even
1: doll, but you know what? Fine, right? But boys, we get them, you know, soldiers and trucks and, and video games uh, with guns and, <laughs> you know, this is what you, this just you right here, you, you know, Black Panther, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm good with that, but just understand, it was a whole morale behind the character of Black Panther. It wasn't just that he was super rich, that he was a king, that he, you know, could have any woman that he wanted, you know, it really, that's not what made the character a Black Panther. <laughs> what you were supposed to be paying attention to was the honor code he lived by and <laughs> the integrity that he tried to bring. We skipped That's over. It. Fight scenes took precedent. Why? Because the fight scenes express what? Strength. Mm-hmm. Anger, <laughs> right? Who wants to sit around and watch a movie about a Black, integrous man? Boring.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so I think that you know this is a great time. I'm I'm so proud of this podcast because this is going to be a great year to really promote this and I think you are going to see more black men coming out of 2021, I mean 2020 with the with the pandemic, the political upheaval, the protest, you know, uh police brutality, all the peas that we got out of 2020 that just went astray and went away. I think this year you're gonna be able to have these kinds of conversations more uh, with black men. I just hope that there are more black counselors, spiritual counselors that are prepared to handle that influx so that we don't hurt so many black men, so that we don't hurt so many black people uh, as they look for healing. Um, there was a study I was reading uh, in the month of December, that said more people signed up, uh, returning to college, more people signed up for psychology uh, in the last year than have in the last 20 years. Because before, you know, if you just had a bachelor's in psychology, you couldn't do anything with it. You couldn't really do anything unless you had a doctor, a PhD, right? But because everyone is now seeing the damage done from, 2020, people are encouraging folk like, no, yeah, we're going to need that kind of counseling help. Uh, We're going to need that kind of healing help. Uh, And I'm just hoping that people will balance themselves, that will take on that challenge and take on that work so that we can help reconcile uh, people to a wholeness um, that we, you know, we deserve. We don't just need to get our placement back as it relates to wealth and as it relates to uh, pride and ownership of things and possessions. Because we can get all that stuff back, but if our minds and our hearts are still bad, we're going to squander it again, away again anyway. Right. But if we fix our hearts and our minds, then whatever we get, we can use it and we can move forward and we can be whole. So that was kind of a long uh, response to, but that's because I get excited talking about this stuff. And Jarrell, exc- down Jarrell, be like, look, Bishop, he didn't ask you all that. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> Richard did not ask me all that. Yeah. <laughs> <it> <laughs>
0: I am glad that you hold us to such a high regard. We're just trying to figure it out too, man. (laughs) But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I think one of the key things that I think we want our listeners to take away from this is it's not pray or see a counselor. It is pray, then go see a counselor. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be in that specific order. Um, One is having a true, like, I would say an inner circle of people that you can go to and speak about the things that are troubling you, things of that nature, hopefully um, my ecosystem that will send you in the right direction to say, Hey, I know a guy or I know a girl that can, you know, you can talk to. Uh, even this week, you know, this week has been for me just personally revealing because I learned some things about myself that even, you know, in going on 32 years of, you know, just being here on earth, that I didn't realize, I knew, I realized about me, but I realized how those things change over time. Like, in my 20s, it was all about all these things, get all these things done, and then trauma's going to happen, and you just, be honest with you, you, just pray it away, and you good, everything's good. And then I realized coming into 30, it was like, well, you know what? I tried to pray these things for a very long time and they are still around. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna still pray again, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, what else, what other steps can we take? It was going to see a therapist, it was uh, recommending other people for therapy, it was, you know, finding my closest like guy friends, my closest, you know, friends in general, um, sometimes even leaning on my wife and saying, hey, listen, I just need to get this out right here, and I'm not trying to dump on you when I do it, um, and yeah. those things made a world of difference, so I'm hoping that the listeners at home, that's driving your car, uh, mm-hmm. wherever you at right now, if you look, take the time to listen to this whole entire episode, if you get nothing else from it, um, just know that, yes, prayer is very important, especially for those believers out there, um, but also don't forget the other components that's going to help you be your best holistic self um I love what you said i i just i have to interject here i love what you said because that's kind of one of the
1: things that i've been promoting too like trying to teach people find a therapist in all your close relationships right yes. find your you know because a, a therapist may have to be you know a trained individual but counseling all that takes is someone that can hear you and someone that knows how to hear you without judgment and that can utilize their own story to be able to assist you in what you're going through, right? To empower you with that. And I love what you said because that's what I've been trying to do. I'm like, if you have 20 friends and you don't have anyone in those 20 friends that you can say hey man, I'm feeling like this or, hey man, this is what's really going on with me, you know. Then I really need you to assess first, your definition of friendship. (laughs) And secondly, I need you to re-identify like, what's, what's really benefiting you, you know, in this. And I'm not saying all 20 of them have to be that, but I'm saying there should be someone, actually more than one if you got 20, There'd be more than one that are confidants to you, that are companions to you, that that are close enough to you where you can trust, you know, to be able to say things like that too and have them, you know. And I also promote, you know, teaching yourself to counsel yourself. There's a scripture in the Bible again where it talks about David encouraging himself. You know, he's surrounded after this particular battle. You know, his own people are upset with him that he's leading. Mm. Other folk, the army's just been there and wiped everything out, took all the women and children. So he doesn't have anybody to confide in, right? And the Bible says that he just moved away from everybody that was complaining and threatening to kill him and all that. And he just encouraged himself. He, he knew enough about counseling and, and he knew enough about comforting and ministering to others That he was able to then utilize it himself i tell people if you're not going to go see a therapist buy a book that'll help you identify with what's going to you you may not be able to go sit down in front of a person right you may not be able to afford to do that whatever but you can afford that ten dollar book that'll talk to you about hey this is how you talk to yourself this is how you write affirmations this is how you turn things around when you're thinking this way There are tons of self-help stuff out there start there you know uh learn how to find a counselor in in your mom in your wife and you, they won't be able to understand everything but there are some conversations that you can have with them that you can't even have with other people even if you pay them right
0: uh-huh. so
1: i think looking into we we have to become as a people so concerned about our mental health that we understand counseling is attached to it, but that we approach that counseling, not just putting that, all that power into one person's hand, but how do I spread it out so that I'm always getting it? So that even when it's too late for me to call my therapist or too late for me, or I don't have the money right now to go mm-hmm. and sit down, or I don't have the time to go lay down on the couch and talk to somebody, do I have somebody I can call? Do I have a book I can pick up? You know, do I have a, a moment I can steal away, a place that helps me to think about, you know, and, and meditate on things. Those are things also that's important. Again, I never want a person to think that there's only one way to handle anything. You need all of that. You know, not one component. You need all that. You need to pray. <laughs> and then you need friends you could talk to. And then you need to read some self-help material on how to help yourself. And then you need to get you a counselor. And then, you know, if it's if it's really deep, need to get your therapist too. Might need a priest, right? I mean, who knows? <laughs> but I'm just saying, don't isolate yourself off, even in thinking that it's just one entity that's going to help you. You know, and 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 I, that's powerful how you stated that because that is something that I've been doing. You know, just telling people, you know, you, there are people you could talk to. You know, no, you can't trust nobody. I'm like, see, that's a bad construct. That comes as a self-defense mechanism that is not working for you. Because if you can't trust anybody to share anything with, and you don't want to be bothered with anybody because you can't trust them, but you're falling apart because you don't have anybody <laughs> that you can talk to, like you're you're self-defeating. Like you, you know, it's like that person in an argument that starts the argument off with, I don't want to argue. <laughs> and you like, you said you didn't want to argue, but that's exactly what we doing. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. But you know what? What I was trying to say is, you know, it's like, wait, you got to make up in your mind which one you want to do. That's <laughs> do you it. not argue, or do you really want to argue, or do you want to argue but you want me to think that you don't? <laughs> like, we got to be clear on that. So I I just think that what you said was very powerful, and uh, I'm hoping too that people who will listen to this um, that they'll understand that mental health is serious, especially if you go to church, especially if you're a Christian, especially if you are, are, are Buddhist, especially if you, that's really the self-actualization, you know, which is what Maslow calls it, that again, spiritual construct that he just took and put in a very humanistic way, right? And, and, uh, what Maslow calls that, 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 hierarchy of needs and that self-actualization if we were in india and they were talking buddhists or in in china and they were talking buddhism they would call that the inner the inner self to achieve that place of nirvana right Uh so all of that talk that you talk about with counseling it's really double talk for everything that's happening spiritually with a person that's what counseling is all about and i pray that everybody listening to this that you'll see that it really will improve your life it will definitely make you uh much more balanced. And if you're gonna need anything to get through 2021, you're gonna need to be well balanced. <laughs> well balanced. Because everything that's coming is coming to do like this. <laughs> right. And if you're not well balanced, this is how your life is gonna be. <laughs> and you it. want to be able so that <laughs> everything's thrown at you, at least you at least you got you. <laughs> And, and I'm hoping that that's what everyone uh, will get out of this. And thank you guys for the opportunity. This has been just great. This is what I love
0: to do. No doubt. We're glad to have you. And um, I know you are a very, very busy man to uh, get in contact with at times. So whenever we do have your time, you know, it's always a great thing, especially, you know, everyone at this house over here. So I um, appreciate you. Love you. And um if people are looking for um some type of opportunity to speak with you on a counseling note for marital counseling, premarital counseling, how can they get in contact with you? Oh uh, man, now see that's that's the I ain't, part. you ain't gotta get your personal phone number, however.
1: No. Oh no. I, <laughs> I'm trying to honestly, I'm trying to think. We do have a number uh that's set up that goes to my administrator. I just can't remember it right now. It's all good. <laughs> I barely drill. I barely remember my own number, you know,
0: (laughs) but um, what we can do is we can um, take that information and put it in the episode notes for our listeners, um, as well as your email and contact information.
1: Okay. yeah, that can that can be done. Um, And um, by all means, I would love to meet with people, love to talk with people uh, and love to share with people. I am in no shape way, form, fashion, uh, considering myself to be the expert on anything. uh, But I do know that the experiences that I've had in life um, melded with the skill trainings that I've gone through. uh, I do feel a particular uh, calling, if you will, again, to a specific population of people who need help in that area of just kind of working some things through. And I say that with all of the humility that I can muster, um, it really is rewarding just to see people, even if I can't directly help them, to be able to point them in that direction where they can get the kind of help that they need. uh, Because I just want everyone to be as whole as possible, especially uh, black people, because we've just gone through so much um, and we need healing. And uh, we need to be able to uh, heal ourselves and heal one another. Um, So, again, thank you for this opportunity. I'll most certainly get you that information. And uh, you can share it uh, in the notes if people
0: want to get in contact with you. Definitely will do. Um, For all the people listening at home, for those who want to know more about what the Mental Matters Podcast is all about, um, check out the website at www.mentalmatterspod.com. Um, we are available on all streaming platforms, um, except for Tidal, because we're working on it. But we're on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as well, some other ones as well. Um, and we have, also have a link tree to all things Mental Matters Pod um, from our social media accounts. So with that being said, um hope you all have a great start to 2021. And Jarrell, you got anything before we cut these lights off, man? I know MLK Day is upcoming, so happy MLK Day. Take some time out to uh, listen to some piece of, you know, audio
1: that MLK said. what he gave us his time on Earth, so that's all I have to say. Yeah,
0: amen to that. It's a lot of great, uh, of his great work. Actually, on title. So if you got title, that's one of the streaming platforms you can get a lot of the um actual speeches and whatnot from Dr. King himself. So happy MOKL to you all. Um, with that, we'll talk to you all later. Stay up and make sure y'all actually wash your hands because there's still a panama out there. <laughs>